I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John chapter 2 as we continue working our way through this letter that John wrote. I just want to say one word about the music. Um, You know, Nathan does a beautiful job every week of of picking music that we really sing the message uh, before we hear the message from God's word. Um, The first song we sang, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, uh, you probably know, was written by Martin Luther and that he told the people that he taught that song to that if someone asks you what you believe, uh, just sing this song to them. Uh, The very first theology class I had at the end of the first uh, semester, the professor said, you can take an exam on what we've been talking about all year, which is basic theology, or you can memorize and write down all of the words and verses to a mighty fortress is our God. Um, Most of us chose the latter because that was simpler thing to do, but <clears throat> it is a great hymn, uh, and, and it is what we believe. And we've, again, as usual, sung the message that we are going to hear from God's word. Um, you know, I think everyone here has been in a power outage at one time or another in your life. Uh, there have been some bad ones, sometimes they're widespread, sometimes just in our own home. But one of the costliest power outages in the United States happened in the Northeast blackout of 2003. It affected around 50 million people in the Northeastern and Midwestern United States and even up into Canada. Um, The total economic cost of that blackout was estimated to be in the range of between seven and $10 billion uh, in productivity that was lost and spoiled goods and infrastructure that was damaged. In Christ, there is not a problem with God breaking down. The Holy Spirit will never lack power. The Holy Spirit never will break down. And uh, if you don't see God's power in your life, let me just ask you, do you see God's power in your life? If you don't see God's power in your life, it's not his power that's lessened. It's your connection. So it's, a, it's, a, it's always a time for all of us to examine our lives and to say, we, I want your power in my life. And we're going to talk about how you get that power. And it's by abiding in Christ. It's by remaining in him. Um, as Christians, we have the, a power supply on which we are completely dependent Uh, The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit leads us in all truth. It gives us confidence when we lack confidence. It gives us hope when we need hope uh, and power to live a successful Christian life. If we think about why John was writing this letter overall, he's calling his readers and God is calling us back to the basics, uh, back to true doctrine back to obedient living, back to a passionate love for God and for his people, the people around us. Um, Here's John's message, really, in the book of John. If we could sum it up, it's because God is light. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We are able to overcome false teachers by, by drawing, who are trying to draw us away from Jesus. Because as it says in 1 John 4, chapter 4, verse 4, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 
We have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, and it's greater than any demon, any false teacher, anything that can come our way. We never have to fear anything when we have the Holy Spirit. So let's read our passage. We're just going to look at a couple verses this morning. Verse John 2, beginning at verse 26. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. This is God's word for us this morning. So verse 26, John begins here by giving us the purpose for the anointing, number one on your outline, and that is to not be led astray. That's God's purpose uh, for the anointing, that we not be led astray. We're going to talk about what that anointing is. He says, I'm writing these things to you uh, about those who are trying to lead you astray, or in another translation, those who are trying to seduce you. So I want us to understand what the anointing is, but first we need to begin with what this anointing is not. It's on your outline. The anointing is not an additional level of experience. Uh, the Bible is pointing to, the Bible points to one anointing, and we're not to go beyond what Scripture says. So we're going to stick with that one anointing. Uh, we don't need to worry about losing the anointing that John is talking about because verse 27 says it remains in you. And this anointing doesn't lead us to greater levels of health or material gain. That's not what it's about. It's not to have more of the Holy Spirit. We can't get more of the Holy Spirit. He can get more of us, but we can't get more of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The anointing, the Holy Spirit is not given in in portions. The anointing is not taken away. Uh, God does not reverse his call. Uh, He doesn't change his mind about those to whom he sends his call, to whom he extends his grace. The anointing is referring to the Holy Spirit. That's the anointing who lives in believers and who reveals uh, through, he reveals scripture to us. And all that we need to know in our lives uh, is in scripture in a way so that we can live in a way to please God, so that we can live for God's glory in our lives. So John was unmasking the false teachers as the seducers that they were. Uh, Their goal was to lead people astray, to lead people into error. And the best way to counter this, and we'll talk about this, is to abide in Christ and to know that we have the Holy Spirit. That's the anointing that we have. He is the anointing. If we're going to be led astray, if we're not going to be led astray, we need God's word to point the way for us to not be led astray. One of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit in our life is that we begin to know the power of the truth of Scripture. We read it, and and the Holy Spirit helps us grow in grace and helps us grow in our knowledge of Him. Uh, But it's not just about head knowledge. It's about God transforming our lives. And so uh, you've got this on your outline. God's Word isn't given primarily to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. That's what God wants to do. I mentioned this verse last week, I think Luke 6, 46, 
where Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? He wants us to be obedient to him. Uh, the change doesn't happen all at once. It would be nice if it did. When we be, become Christians, we automatically become the most godly form of us that we could become. But it's like he gives us a new grid that we learn. And over time, we, we learn to take everything through the framework of God's word that we take into our lives, things we see, things we read. Uh, all of our understanding should be filtered through the grid of God's word. The false teachers may not have been successful, but they weren't giving up. They were going to continue to keep trying. I write these things to you about those who are trying to seduce you. So I know that probably everybody here uses GPS. Have you ever been taken in a wrong direction by your GPS? Yeah, all these head nods. Heads nod. Yes, we all have, I think. I I read about about 100 cars or so uh, recently were on their way to the Denver airport. They were taking a back road that Google had Google Maps had led them on. And the only problem was that the road was a dirt road and there had been a ton of rain and it was raining and almost all of these cars got stuck. And uh, somebody, one lady said, uh, she said, I was, I was just following everybody else and it seemed like because there were so many going, it must have been the right direction. Uh, That's dangerous to think that way. Um, One Denver traffic anchor said to the people, he said, people, Google Maps is not perfect. If you think you're going in the wrong direction, maybe you are, go back to the beginning and start over. Um, But it's easy for us to rely on what other people say and not want to dig into the word ourselves. But we've got to remember that As it says in Romans 8, you've got the passage on your outline that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That is, as a Christian, that is the power of the Holy Spirit that you have in your life. So just as the Spirit lifted Jesus out of physical death, so that same Holy Spirit dwells in us, gives us new life and eternal life. We need to never fear the, the powers of Satan. First John 4, 4 says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Second Peter 1, 3, again, the references on your outline, says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. We have the word of God that is perfect to guide us. We have the Holy Spirit living in our lives that we can fully rely on all the time. We never have to worry about him directing us in a wrong way. He will always direct us in accord with the word of God. He will never take us in a direction apart from from the word. So to walk by faith means to daily, and that's part of abiding. That's the result of abiding. We're walking by faith. means that we daily remind ourselves of what the word says uh, so that we read scripture, we, we pray, we live in community with others, we, we fight sin together, and we do this while living in complete dependence on the Holy Spirit whose goal is to bring us closer to Jesus. 
And so are you doing this? Are you, I mean, part of it, you're here this morning. Part of it is right here. It's happening here. Uh, part, this is why in our worship time, we give a priority to worshiping by listening to God's word. Because God's word directs us. God wants us to know his word and be directed by it. The second thing that we see in these verses is that we have Christ's anointing to help us discern doctrinal error. That's number two on your outline. We have Christ's anointing to help us discern doctrinal error. Jesus says in John 14, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. That he speaks to the disciples before his resurrection in the middle of his ministry. So I think it's correct. A correct way to translate verse 27 is the way the New Living Translation translates it. It says this, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. Instead of anointing, it uses Holy Spirit, which I think is correct. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. That's the goal. And so Paul says to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, that Christ in us is our hope of glory. Christ in us. And John says, um, again, Christ lives by us, lives in us by his Holy Spirit. John says four things about the anointing here. The first thing is that God's anointing remains in us. At the moment of conversion, the Holy Spirit comes to live in every believer. Paul says in Romans 8 9, if you do not have the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to him. And so we know we, when, when we're Christians, we belong to him. We have the Holy Spirit. Um, we do need teachers. It's, it says in verse 27, he lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you. John is not saying here that we don't need teachers. Um, that would, if we don't need teachers, then Paul was wrong in Ephesians when he said God has given to the church some who are teachers. We need teachers. But remember the context here. The context is that John was arguing against special knowledge or false teaching that sounded new and sounded interesting by the false teachers who were coming in. And so we are able to understand the truth of that, that when we have the Holy Spirit, because it says in 1 Corinthians 2, you've got the reference on the outline that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I remember how stark that contrast was for me. Uh, somebody had encouraged me to start reading my Bible before I became a Christian. And I remember reading it and, and thinking, man, I don't understand anything. How could anybody ever understand anything written in here? And then I came to faith in Christ. 
And, and I, <clears throat> I wanted to read the Bible, but I, I was anticipating that I wasn't going to be able to get it again. But now as I read it, with the Holy Spirit in my life, every, it's like every word popped out at me. Everything applied. Everything was, was just for me and what I needed. It was what my soul needed. And so that's exactly what God does when, when we know the, the, the Lord and read his word. Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Think about that. But then he goes on to say, But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. So you want to know what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined, what God has prepared for you because you love him? It is the Holy Spirit, he says. It was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. So for us today, the Holy Spirit enables us to understand. It enables us to put God's word into practice in our lives. Uh, you know, someone said that the Christian life is impossible to live. But, but that's why God has given us his Holy Spirit. So he can live it through us. And then finally, God's anointing teaches us to remain in him. In Romans 8, Paul writes, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So the witness of the Holy Spirit gives our spirit assurance that we are God's child. John's point is that every Christian has the anointing of the Holy Spirit, not just some Christians. One of the results of remaining in him uh, leads us to one of the key verses in this letter, I think. We've said this before, 1 John 5, 13. You've got it printed on the outline, I think up more toward the top, where John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you may hope that you have eternal life, but this is something John wants us to know, that God wants us to know. That you may know means it's possible for us to have assurance of our salvation. So let me ask you, do you have assurance of your salvation? If you were to die tonight, God forbid, and God were to say, why should I let you into heaven? What would be your response? I'll tell you what, there's a, a great passage. The reference is not on your outline, but I encourage you to write this down. John chapter 10 verses 28 and 29. And it says this, Jesus is speaking and he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me <clears throat> and he is more powerful than anyone and no one can snatch them from my father's arm. So do you have salvation if you have salvation, do you know that you have salvation? <clears throat> and if you have salvation, do you know that if you died tonight, you would go to heaven? God wants us to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. My brother, <clears throat> Jimmy, uh, went to Wheaton College like I did, uh, but he took one year off and he went to Kansas University. Um, and his roommate, his best friend, uh, when he was there, was a big, huge basketball fan, Kansas basketball fan, taught basketball camps. And uh, 
Unfortunately, his roommate had a stroke when he was in his 30s. And my brother, knowing he would love basketball, wanted to, and that he was now just living on disability insurance, uh, social security insurance, would love to go to KU basketball games. So he bought some tickets on the floor uh, in the handicap section of Kansas University. They're amazing seats. They're great seats. Every once in a while, uh, I'll be there during basketball season. haven't for a while, but I'll be there, and my brother will give me a ticket. And when we go to those seats, <clears throat> uh, the, the, the ushers or whoever are there, they look at our tickets, but they don't ask me how I got the ticket. I guess that uh, it doesn't matter how I got it. Well, maybe it matters. I don't know. But my brother gave it to me, and that's, that allows me to go there and, and, to, and to sit and watch that game. Um, and so it, it's the same thing. God, is, God has given us eternal life. Uh, it, it's a gift. And so when you die, when you, it, 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 none of us deserve to go to heaven, that's by the grace of God that we get to go. But if God says, why should I let you into heaven? You don't say, because I was good. Because I went to church. Because I carry around a big Bible with me all the time. Because my parents are Christians. Because I try hard. No, we don't say any of those things. Our only response is because God paid my way through Jesus. That's the only way I can get there. To to me, it's a story of grace. Maybe you've doubted before that you're not good enough to go to heaven, but that's how grace works. Having assurance of salvation is based on the grace of God. It's not based on you, thankfully. It's not based on me, thankfully. It's not about what you've done in the past or it's not about what you can do in the future. It's about what God has already accomplished for you in Jesus. Remember that behind all the false teachers is Satan and and he, he wants you to doubt your salvation more than anything. He wants that. He wants to, to do anything he can to draw you away from God. Uh, Someone said that's the difference between a trial and a temptation. A temptation is designed by Satan to bring you away from God. A trial is designed by God to bring you closer to him. So, again, no matter what you're going through in your life, you realize that, that God's goal is to keep refocusing on Jesus, to remain in Jesus, and remember what he's done for us already. Every other religion is about what they can do and we talked about this last week, what they can do to, be, to go to heaven. Christianity is about what's already been accomplished for us. And so the Holy Spirit helps us recognize these basic truths. And what makes someone a Christian is the fact that they've turned away from their sin, they've repented, and they put their faith in Christ alone for their salvation. So do you know that? Do you know that you're assured 100% of your salvation. You are. That's by the word of God. That's not based on what I'm saying. It's based on what God says. And then the third thing that we see in these verses is that our responsibility is to maintain our relationship with Jesus. Like it says at the end of verse 27, just as it has taught you, remain, just as the anointing of the Holy Spirit has taught you, remain in him. 
We can't, I can't read these verses. I don't think we can read these verses without, without thinking of John chapter 15, where Jesus talks about being branches that abide in the vine. Um, why does John talk so much about abiding in 1 John? Well, because Jesus talked a lot about abiding. Ten times he mentions, uh, he invites us as believers, Jesus does in John 15, to abide in him. Um, so I, I think, again, the Bible is its own best commentary. You want to understand what a passage is saying, what it means, then look for other passages that explain that passage. And, and that will help you understand it. Um, so J.C. Ryle uh, explains abiding like this. Listen, I think this is a great explanation. Listen to this. To abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant, close communion with Jesus, to be always leaning on him, resting on him, pouring our hearts out to him. When was the last time you poured your heart out to God, to Jesus? And using him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend, To have his words abiding in us is to keep his sayings and precepts continually before our memories and minds and to make them the guide of our actions and the rule of our daily conduct and behavior. Again, we've got to go back to the basics. That's what he's talking about here. So how does the Holy Spirit do this? Well, we've already said through the word. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy and he says this in 2 Timothy 3. From childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which, and here's what he says about the sacred writings, the Old Testament, we can easily include the New Testament in that now, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say in the next verse, a verse that I think many of you know and have probably memorized, but he says this, all scripture is breathed by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And then verse 17, that the the scriptures are the comprehensive equipment of the man and woman of God and fit them fully for all branches of their work. You want to be prepared for ministry? You want to be prepared for whatever God has for you to do? Then know his word. And and included in that part of that is abiding in Christ. Talking with him. In John chapters 14 and 17, um, 14 and 16, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth who leads us and guides us into all truth. So you have this on your outline. The point of these two verses we're looking at in 1 John is that the response to false teachers is the true teacher. And the true teacher lives in us, the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus is truth. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. We know that the word of God is the truth. Jesus in his high priestly prayer says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And we know that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. John 16, 13 says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. 
where the Holy Spirit is at work, there will be truth. And when there is truth, the Holy Spirit will never lead us to do anything contrary to the word of God. He'll never lead us to do anything inconsistent with who Jesus is. You know, I remember in grade school learning the story of Helen Keller. I think probably everybody here knows it pretty much. Um, On the advice of a friend, her parents, uh, uh, the parents of Helen Keller sent for a teacher at the Perkins Institution for the Blind in Boston. Ann Sullivan uh, was a 19-year-old, actually an orphan, who was chosen for the task of instructing six-year-old Helen Keller. And she would teach her by signing in her hands things like a doll or a dog or whatever it was, and, and, and so she could feel the signing that was going on. Um, a couple years later, Helen Keller was reading Braille uh, fluently. She was a smart gal, amazing. At the age of 10, uh, Helen learned different sounds by placing her fingers on the throat of Ann Sullivan and, and hearing the sounds, feeling the sounds that were made. Um, later, Helen went to Radcliffe College where she graduated with, with honors and spelled the lectures out, all of them, into Anne's hand. And after graduating, Helen decided to devote her life to helping those who were blind and deaf, and so she traveled the world. And uh, Anne was with her in all those travels, often uh, translating for her when she spoke. And then their nearly 50 years of companionship ended in 1936 when Anne died. And Helen wrote these words about Anne. My teacher is so near to me that I scarcely think of myself apart from her. I feel that her being is inseparable from my own and that the footsteps of my life are in hers. All the best of me belongs to her. There is not a talent or an inspiration or a joy in me that has not been awakened by her loving touch. What an amazing relationship they must have had. But when I read that, I thought, you know what? That should, be, that should describe our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Think of it like this. The Holy Spirit is so near to me that I scarcely think of myself apart from him. I feel that his being is inseparable from my own and that the footsteps of my life are in his All the best of me belongs to him. There is not a talent or an inspiration or a joy in me that has not been awakened by his loving touch. One commentator said that there are four tests that all teaching that claims to be from God should be subjected to. I want to give you these tests. They're on your outline. First one is the Bible test. Since the Bible is the infallible word of God, it is the benchmark for all truth. Our, our, our experiences can be great, but we're, we're to measure our experiences by that grid of scripture. 
We're not to try to fit scripture into our experiences. Uh, Your testimony is a powerful thing, but your testimony is not the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. The next test is the Jesus test. Does the teaching you're hearing magnify Christ? Or does it magnify the person who's teaching? We, We talked last week about some of the cults that are deviations from orthodoxy. And they, it's all about them, what they can do to earn their way to heaven and so on. But are you eager with David who said, earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Oh, that we could all pray that. And my, my, may the Holy Spirit spark in us a deeper longing for Christ. May we hunger with a a holy urgency, if you will, to know the depths and the riches of the love of and the uh, love of Christ, and that we grasp that through abiding. Again, you want to be prepared for whatever God has for you. Abide in Him. The third test is the character test. The character test is the teaching you're hearing or the experience you're having encourage godly living. Uh, The next thing you have on the outline is is this. Character is who you are when no one is looking. How honest are you? Really. How joyful are you? Really. Really. How pure are you? How kind are you? How loving are you? When no one's looking. Those are all possible with the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. I think we all know how much we need to grow and we realize what a difficult thing it is to do and how we have to have the Holy Spirit to make it happen. And the key ultimately is abiding in the vine. We're the branches, we abide in the vine. The fourth test is the evangelism test. Does this doctrine or this experience help or hinder people from coming to Christ? Does it encourage our sharing our faith with other people? The gospel is literally the good news. And specifically, it's the good news concerning Christ and the way of salvation. And the next thing you have on the outline is that the key to understanding why it's good news is to start with the bad news. We can always find people who are worse off than us, worse than us. We can always find people who are better than us. But in spite of this, we're all in the same spiritual boat. We have all sinned. We are all separated from God. And the punishment for sin is death, physical death and spiritual death. Somehow, sin must be removed or sin must be paid for. The law establishes the fact that cleansing from sin can only happen by a blood sacrifice. It's a blood economy, starting from Adam and Eve. The law somehow established that. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And then John 1.12, John says this, but to all who did receive him, to them he gave the right and the privilege to be the children of God. That's a promise we have. Jesus shed his blood so that when we receive Christ by believing in his name and accepting him into our life, it it changes our lives. We acknowledge Christ as, as God, as our Savior, 
and as our Lord. Have you done that? Have you made him your savior and your Lord? That is the test of the gospel. That's the evangelism test. Those tests are, can be helpful. I hope they are for you. But the message of, this, of, these, of this, these verses, this passage, is to abide in the vine. 